This Week in Wealth is powered by Alpha Wealth Group. If you're serious about retirement and have saved $250,000 or more, call Alpha Wealth Group's Tom Fortino now, 630-934-1855 or alphawealthgroup.com. Alpha Wealth Group, retirement made simple. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Good morning. Uh, this is This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink. I'm a WGN radio talk show host, a financial journalist, and the CEO of Best Money Moods, my financial wellness company. And I'm Tom Fortino. I'm the principal and founder of the Alpha Wealth Group. We're a wealth management firm that provides complete retirement planning, income planning, tax planning, investment planning, estate and legacy planning, and it's, as I said, complete retirement planning. If you want to talk with Tom or ask us a question, you should pick up the phone right now or your cell phone. Dial 630-934-1855 or you can go to alphawealthgroup.com. And we did get some questions after last week's show, so we are going to talk mm-hmm. about those uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour. So, Great. hey. Um, all right, let's dig in. So I uh, hope everybody listening had a great Valentine's Day. Tom, do you and your spouse do Valentine's Day gifts? Not really. I mean, you kind of recognize it. I guess it's, uh, I did save money this time. I have to admit, I was, I don't want to say frugal. Um, was it prudent? I don't know the there term There is nothing wrong with being frugal. I, I, I don't know why that's a bad word. It's not, it's not the F-bomb, right? It's well, a, it's a you know, frugal. It's a good thing. You know, over Christmas, I just, I don't know if it just hit me all of a sudden. I went to get a card, a gift card. I don't know if you've ever come across this. And it was $8. And I said, I am To not. buy the gift card? These Have you looked at these cards lately? And no, I just said clearly. to myself and I told my wife, this is it with these. This is insane. You talk about inflation. So I said, I'm not going to, we're just, I'm not doing it. So I made it. I made a Valentine's Day card. I used, uh, you know, the manila folders that are hard stock. But I had a, a red one, so I cut it out, used the seam, and I made a card. Saved $8.50, and she really appreciated it. Okay, but that gets to my favorite <laughs> thing about all gifts, which is that I think people like two things. They like things that are homemade or handmade, right, which you did, mm-hmm. and they like experiences. Like I think yeah. those are the two things that people want. At least young people want those. Um, but I think older people like them too. You know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, my mother loves it when we come visit, when we take her to dinner, which we did this week. And, Great. you know, all of that kind of mm-hmm. personal experience stuff. And does anybody really need like another, I don't know, name your thing that you buy? Although Sam did buy me something that was very useful this week. I needed a, a new humidifier. I it's probably That's awesome. Sam I is very it. practical, and, and I great. love that. I just, I love that. And I'm sitting here in my office now looking at my new humidifier, See? and it's very nice. Yeah. So you that's true. Think of him yes. Well, I do humidifier. anyway, right? Yes. So, you know, but don't you think, Tom, that how people give gifts and what they give tells you a lot about compatibility, like whether they're good long term partners? Because, I mean, it's. Practical stuff, like is what Sam and I give each other, but we also give each other trips, trips with our kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and I know one of our questions coming up later is about mm-hmm. 529 plans and gifts for children and grandchildren mm-hmm. and trusts. Do your clients talk about gifts, like small gifts, big gifts, and, you know, how do you advise them? Well, we have these conversations often, um, and it relates to all of these things. I had someone earlier this, or just last year, because we're coming up on the end of the year, you know, the gift tax rules increased a little bit, but you can gift up to, starting 2023, $17,000 per person per year. 
And there was a couple, the, the, unfortunately, you know, the mother had passed away, which was their grandmother, of course, the grandmother to their children. And they said, you know, we want, as part of her legacy, we want to give some of this money to our children, you know, from grandma. And uh, so they did. They did. Yeah, it was nice. And so they gave them some checks for Christmas. But it was it was, you know, from their grandmother. So it was meaningful. And so they did. And we talked about that and how they could do that. And so that was that was the ability to do it. That's the gift tax. Um, So we have these conversations often. I would just take without getting into a whole conversation, at least, which I know we talked about this before, is, you know, to take a step back and say, really, the conversation needs to start with. We talk about it, the most fundamental thing, which is having living trusts and powers of attorney, having these documents in place, because those are the things, having beneficiaries set up properly, assets titled, those are the things that can cause the biggest conflict and confusion with family members where you may disinherit a child, there's loss of control potentially, and there's costly things that could happen as far as being exposed to the probate system. But I would say, you know, even the gifting, I know those are great things during your lifetime. But you got to have those documents in place. That's just a non-negotiable. You got to start there, and then you can do the things that you want to do. The gifting. I would just, just, I just wanted to make that comment. Yeah. No, I think that estate planning is kind of your ultimate gift that you give your family. I agree. And now that I've been, I've you know watched very sadly. We've lost my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my uh, uncle. Uh, who we were very close to, my own dad, where things were not buttoned up because he was 49 and it was a shock. Um, You know, I've had all of those different kinds of experiences. I lost my stepfather. So there's just been a lot of loss in our lives. And watching how some people have organized their estates and tied everything up with a neat bow and when it doesn't, how painful it is on top Mm -hmm. of the emotional loss, you then have maybe even a financial loss, but you certainly lose time. Mm -hmm. And you lose time in trying to pull all those pieces together uh, of the estate, of the paperwork, of the things that you need. Like when you don't realize you actually need, you know, 27 copies of of the death certificate. Mm-hmm. Right. And people will get like two or three or five or even 10. And they're like, what do you mean? That's not enough. Having to go back to get more of those is is a real pain. And that's just a very teeny part of an estate mm-hmm. and, and what happens mm-hmm. um, when people. It, I think a lot of the estate stuff is tied up into how people see them see other people remembering them after they're gone. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the, and that's why I refer to it as a gift, because if you can tie everything up neatly people will remember you well um well unless you're a horrible person but we're going to assume no none of our listeners are no um (laughs) but when you're working with people tom and we just have a minute left in the segment but when when they come to you is the estate stuff the first thing you ask well that's always part of it because you know while i'm not the attorney we have an attorney that does all of that and then all my in all the years i've been doing this We've always done estate planning. I always stress that, hey, we're going to get to that. We're not going to get to everything all at once. But you've got to have an estate plan in place. You've got to have these documents in place. You need to be able to control things during your life and to your family members. And I've said this before, and I believe it in all sincerity. The best thing you can do for your family is have these things in place. You know, it's the worst thing when all that, you know, if you have three or four children and they're all trying to figure out, well, what did mom and dad want? And you have, and, you know, and then they got to go to the court system. Assets are frozen. Man, that's just something that should not be happening. 
Yeah, we we answer so many questions from people <clears throat> about this, about you know states gone wrong, and mm-hmm. you know in our synd- Sam and I in the syndicated column, and it's just it's a nightmare for people. I, I can't sure. stress it enough. You know, if you if your state's not in order, you should definitely take some steps to do that. Tom can help. Give us a call. We can help. 630-934-1855. Or you can always go to alphawealthgroup.com. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, um, a little something about the Fed. Uh, as you might imagine, they're making some waves. Stay tuned for more on This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink here with Tom Fortino, the founder and principal of Alpha Wealth Group. You can find him at 630-934-1855, or you can leave us a message. Leave him a message at alphawealthgroup.com. By the way, the website has awesome information. So if you're looking to uh, start planning that estate, like we were talking about just a few minutes ago, he's got some worksheets and other information online that you can download and it'll get you started. All right. So in the movie, The Big Short, you remember that one, Tom? I do. It documented the 2008 financial crisis. Mm -hmm. Steve Carell played the part of Steve Eisman, and he's the one, one of a few, who bet against the housing sector and made like hundreds of millions of Mm -hmm. dollars when everything crashed. So just recently, the real Steve Eisman, like there is the real guy, not a made up Mm guy, said that he believes the stock market is experiencing a shift away from growth and away from tech stocks to a more conservative approach involving fixed products and higher interest rates. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I thought that was interesting. Um, first question, do we think Steve Eisman just caught lightning in a bottle in 2008 and we should be paying attention to him? Or do we act, do you actually think that, you know, that the Fed raising interest rates as much as they are, that we're near the top and then the only way to go down is, you know, the only way out is mm-hmm. down. And then um, mm-hmm. anyway, what do you think? Well, I think well, I'll make a couple of comments as it relates to the housing market and the and the entire stock market. No one can predict. I don't even remember Elaine Gazzarelli. She was like, oh, yeah. I mean, she was. And then that kind of imploded. This always happens. Um, Harry Dent. And we can go down the line of the people that have, have uh, predicted. Nobody technically can predict the market. Now, the housing market's a little different. I mean, I saw one of these individuals. I wish I could remember his name. He made billions. But. He said he went to Bear Stearns, who now no longer exists as a firm, <laughs> and he said, "Look, you know, this is a ten trillion dollar market. The stock market—I mean, the the uh, mortgage market, the housing market, mortgage market—it's not regulated. It's not." He realized the the problem with it, and you had all this leverage there. And the guy just said, "Well, you know, whatever. We're not going to worry about." It. He walked out of that, and that's when he took the short bets himself. Thought, "Wow, this is crazy." But I mean, as far as you know, you look at the market. You know, Morningstar came out, their investment firm. The investment group and said, you know, they expect a ten over the next ten years the market's going to average one point three percent. That is what they said. It was in a Wall Street Journal article. Vanguard said maybe between four point seven to six point seven over the next ten years. The reality is, none of us really know for sure. I would say this though, <clears throat> when you look at your investment plan, everyone's situation is unique. Everything's different. You know, do you need income from it? Are you not going to touch it for ten years? You know, all of these things. What is your risk tolerance and so on? The process is going to be the same when you review it, but you know what makes sense for you, and so you really want to take a look at that. I would say opportunities have come up, and you can make minor changes, right? I always say stick with a core portfolio that makes sense for you. Now, do you want to nibble around the edges because there's opportunities? For example, you know now we have these four percent or more 
interest rates that we can get. Well, should you add that to your fixed piece? Probably, yeah. Uh, there's other opportunities there. Should you maybe have a little more value? Sure. Should you create a stock watch list? And when things like, you know, Tesla's up seven. Now, again, these are not recommendations. <laughs> but these when are you examples. See st- <laughs> these are examples, right? <laughs> right. For the individual. So, you know, when Microsoft went from 340 down to 240, was that a buying opportunity? Again, I'm not making recommendations or Apple or the fact that Tesla. You have to ask ChatGPT about Microsoft. Da-dum <laughs> <laughs> bump. Well, yeah, hey, you know, so I'm just saying these are things that you can do. Yes, you can make these moves and try to add to the, you know, nibble around the corner and do some things, not making wholesale changes. So I don't know. I hope that's my that's my long winded answer. I, You know, I think that there's, you know, this question of cycles. The older I get, the more I understand the cyclical nature of the economy, right? Mm-hmm. How forces kind of come together they overheat it and then something happens pops it it's always Mm -hmm. something unexpected in the 70s it was gas prices and you know in the in the nine at 1990 it was the tech pop uh tech bubble popping and it Mm -hmm. you know every 10 years it feels like we have this sort of surprise in the economy and if we're in a kind of a a, a tough place like it was with 2008 where really the effects of it lasted until 2014 2015 mm-hmm. you know that's a long period of time to kind of you know grapple with the the crisis you know eight years seven eight yeah. years it was pretty mm-hmm. pretty tough and we had unlike now where we have just this incredible pop of hiring and like really strong how uh, numbers in the for low unemployment and really high rates of people not only just getting new jobs, but of also the income they're getting from them. You know, you think back to 1990 and we said, wow, there's just nobody getting hiring. In 2008, there's nobody getting hired. And, and suddenly now everybody's, you know, getting hired. So it's just kind of interesting to watch this up and down, up and down over the years. I guess if I, I had to say, you know, Eisman says we're going to have an old-fashioned run-of-the-mill recession. I mm-hmm. would argue I don't actually even know what that is anymore. Yeah, and then the point, too, is to the average investor, okay, so what do I do about this, right? I mean, that's yeah. the question. And so as I always, as I said before, I mean, as much as possible, you ha- you want to have a, an investment strategy that you're comfortable with. If you haven't defined that, maybe this is the opportunity to say, okay, let me, let me revisit my investment plan and say, what am I trying to accomplish here? And design an investment plan that makes sense for you. So we said, what is it that you want to have that's not as much risk? What can I take risk on in my portfolio? Are there opportunities? And then you create that and you can stick to that. You know, it's unless because your head will be spinning with all the data and all the information we get today. It's kind of like, you know, I liken it to that, you know, on the grocery store where you keep switching lines. Oh, yeah. And it just never seems to work out. You so. mean like just like when you're driving in a car, you're switching lanes? <laughs> Same That's, you Does that ever work that. out for you? <laughs> and it doesn't work out with your investment. So as I said, as much as possible, if you're working with someone, ask them, hey, can we talk about what the strategy is here? What am I doing to mitigate risk? What am I also doing, though, but I want to try to have some growth? And so that's the way we can, if we're, we to try to remove some of the uncertainty, we can maybe stick to it. And that ultimately is going to be, I think we're going to be the most successful with our investment planning. Yeah. Any questions, of course, we're here and we can always give you information in any way. Shape, yeah, and it's help. a, absolutely, it's, you know, if you want to have a that reality check, you're a great person to do that. Um, and you, anybody can do it. They can give you a call, 630-934-1855. I would just say that, 
you know, you're never going to make money chasing the highest return. So whoever mm-hmm. got the highest return the year before, don't invest in their fund because you're not going to get that same return <laughs> yeah. two years in a row. Just never. Ha- I can't even think of a single example where that happened. Maybe you can. And, uh, you know, really, it's all about the long run. And I we've talked about this. We're going to talk about <clears throat> it again. But if you're 60 years old, you could easily live to be 95. That's 35 years you got to plan for. It's mm-hmm. not about just getting to 70 anymore. All right, we're going to take a short break. We've got loads of questions that came in uh, after last week's show. If you've got a question, 630-934-1855, or you can leave it at alphawealthgroup.com. We'll be back in a moment with more at 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back to the second half of This Week in Wealth. If you're just joining us, I'm Elise Glink, CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company, and I'm here with Tom Fortino, the founder and principal of the Alpha Wealth Group. So, Tom, after last mm-hmm. week's show, we had uh, you had a bunch of questions that came in mm-hmm. and also some meetings that got set up and people had some follow-up questions. So I thought we'd run through some of those okay. uh, so that everybody could Great. hear uh, you know, what you had to say about it. So uh, let's start out with um, Roth IRA. So mm-hmm. you had a retired gentleman come in who said that he had no idea that he could contribute to a Roth IRA while his wife was still working. So mm-hmm. let's let's run down the rules on that, the amount that you can put in, and you know how people can benefit. Sure. I mean, the rules on a on a Roth IRA, and, and we've had these conversations before, at least. Tax free is the best. Well, free money is the best, but getting money tax free is really the best thing when you can pull out the money. Hundred percent of yours, the tax rates on is zero, and these Roth accounts allow for that. They will never be taxed. So, I'm a big proponent of when I work with people to say, "Hey, what can we do to try to get as much of your money in tax free as possible? What makes sense for you?" So, Roth IRAs, there are rules to contribute to them. Number one, this year now, if you're over age fifty, you can put. And this gentleman was. You can put $7,500 a year of contribution. If you're married, your spouse can too. That's one rule. You also can contribute, if even if you're contributing to a 401k. You can also contribute if one spouse, if you're a non-working spouse or you're not working, if one spouse has income. So in this example, I explained to them, and we're in this unique window here, right? Because you can still do 2022 till April 15th, till the filing deadline. So I explained to them. You can do 2022. We're in 2023. You can do that as well. That's seven thousand for last year, seventy five hundred for this year. That's fourteen thousand five. You can get into a Roth IRA today that will never be taxed the rest of your life. And so this is where we can start down that road. This is just one example of many. You know, I have the the six or seven strategies to mm-hmm. tax free um, report that's available, but. This is just one example. And so a non-working spouse can contribute so long as one spouse has earned income. So I think that people, you know, just don't even realize how great a deal this is, right? Roth IRAs, Mm -hmm. I had somebody say to me, oh, well, I thought they changed the rules and now they're taxable. And I said, not that Mm. I've heard. (laughs) Have you heard that? No. No. Okay. Um, so Roth IRAs, still a great investment, still something that people should be doing, uh, you know, absolutely. absolutely. Um, all right. So next question, uh, gifting to grandchildren. We kind of talked about this in the gifting segment right at the top. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
you know, I know that the person who came in to see you was interested in using, a, you know, or possibly using a trust to give mm-hmm. even more in addition to a 529. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, and we haven't really talked about this in a while, but let's talk for a moment about how trust can be used to put some guardrails up. And, mm-hmm. you know, because I think for a lot of people, they want to give the money, but, um, you know, if something happens and you die younger than you expect or your grandchildren are younger than you think, and you don't necessarily want an 18-year-old getting six figures. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen some of the statistics. I, thought that, I have I seen them. a long time ago. It was like within 39 days or something like that. It was a very short period of time the money spent, you know, yeah. but... It's yes. worse. It's worse than a lottery winning, um, or I should say, faster than lottery yeah. winning. Uh, but so let's talk about that. You know, why don't you yeah. talk about? You know, when would that be useful? Well, you know, it's that's the beauty of a trust. Even in just when we talk about, you know, just having your own revocable trust. But you can create many different trusts. You can create a trust if you have three grandchildren. You can create a trust for each one of them. Not saying you would, but I'm just letting you know you have a lot of flexibility. But to your point, Elise. The beauty of the trust is that it survives you. It goes on. So you can have one of your children say they're in charge of the trust or a couple of your children be co-trustees for the benefit of your grandchildren. Assets can be gifted to that trust and they can grow for the benefit of that child to be used over their lifetime with someone else in charge of it, right? Right. Um, as opposed to them getting the money out outright. So there's a couple levels to this. You can do it to get assets out of your estate because when you do that, they're no longer exposed to estate tax. They're not in your estate, number one. Number two, they're set aside for the benefit of your grandchildren, and they're set up in a way that can be controlled and, and be used for them. It's I've said this before. When you put ages on your trust for the individuals to get it, it's not. It's really to protect them. It's for their benefit. It's not to spite them. But to, you know, as you were saying, you don't want them to spend it all at once, but to have the money available to them over their lifetime. So these can be vehicles that can be used on many levels, and they can work very well. Yeah, I think so. And I I think that people have to be thoughtful, though, about how they set up a trust. So we have mm-hmm. a friend whose um, parents set up a trust for the grandchildren. Uh, there were five kids, I want to say, and so, like, let's say 10 grandchildren. Um, and some of the kids didn't have kids, and some had, you know, three mm-hmm. and not two, whatever. But there were mm-hmm. 10 grandchildren. And then the grandparents mm-hmm. died, the trust went in. And the trust actually named the grandchildren. And then lo and behold, one of the siblings had a surprise baby in their 40s. Mm. And the baby wasn't named in the trust. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't set it up so that it would benefit all the grandchildren of Mm -hmm. all of the children. Or, you know, so if somebody had adopted a child, that child wouldn't have been covered either. And that is what happened. So Mm -hmm. there ended up being 12 grandchildren and not 10. And the money, they were significant amounts. All the grandchildren got, I think, 100000 plus to pay for, help pay for college. And then these last two weren't going to get anything. And so they had to rework the trust mm-hmm. and get all the, you know, the children to agree to re-split the money in a different way. And it meant that mm-hmm. some people were going to get a lot less. But I think thinking yeah. that through is important, Right. It really is. You want to walk through all these what ifs. And so, um, but the thing about it is the trust allows you to make the choice between family members. It's not going through a probate court system. This is why I get somewhat animated when I talk about having trust. 
a trust is private. A trust allows you to put the people in place that you want, and it, and, and it goes to the people you want. The other thing I'll just mention as it relates to minor children or grandchildren who may be minors, if you have a beneficiary-driven asset like an IRA or a life insurance, the trust can be the beneficiary, right? So, um, you know, if you have an IRA or 401k or, or life insurance, if there's a half a million dollars in there, they're not going to cut a check to a 12-year-old, okay? So, and if they're, so <laughs> right. when you have minors as beneficiaries, you probably want to name your trust, yeah, it's very bad idea uh, to name a minor as a beneficiary. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, legally they can't uh, take take direct control, and so then if you haven't decided who's supposed to get that, a court may decide. Correct. I, I always think it's a bad idea to let state law decide. You know, family matters, don't you? I would agree. <laughs> that I don't was know a, how I can agree more gift. than I say I agree one hundred percent. But <laughs> I, I, I'm very yes, yes, yes. Right. So make sure that if you've got minor grandchildren who are named, that you have named directly as the beneficiary of, a, of your IRA, for example, or your life insurance, make sure that, that it goes to a trust and you've got that locked down. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for your questions. We've got some more. Uh, we'll talk about those next week. And if you'd like to add a question or you want to talk with Tom specifically, personally, give him a call, 630-934-1855 or go to alphawealthgroup.com. We'll be back in a moment with more of This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink here with Tom Fortino. Our number is 630-934-1855, or you can go to alphawealthgroup.com, take a look at all the information, download some of it, leave a message for us as you wish. We have been talking about love and money, and we have also a little bit been talking about how anxious people are about their finances. Um, you know, for Valentine's Day, money and love are totally interconnected. So as many people turn to chocolate, wine, and roses uh, <laughs> this week, or maybe yeah. something stronger, um, I'm not sure how many people started talking about money, but they certainly should. Um, and I just, you know, Tom, I want to talk about this idea of how you have to be able to talk about money in a relationship, mm-hmm. because I think that this is one of the hardest things. I mean, you know, it's hard to, um, like, for example, the higher your income, the more likely you are to find love more than once in your life. And yet, mm-hmm. fighting about money is the top predictor of divorce, particularly if you fight about it early. What do couples fight about? They fight about their spending habits. All of these mm-hmm. things have, I went and researched a whole bunch of statistics mm-hmm. um, on money. Tom, would it surprise you that 55% of people are attracted to those with strong budgeting and saving strategies? I like that. See, <laughs> they, they're attracted to very smart. You can say, uh, you know, I guess accountants are... Uh, the sexiest people made. around? Is that what you're trying to say there? <laughs> I guess. I <laughs> Do you have a, you have a bromance with your accountant going on? Something like that, yeah. Something like that, right. Um, 76% of people believe you should have a similar philosophy about money and finance with your significant mm-hmm. other. Well, that would cut down in the fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, th- only 3% of people say that it's attractive to have a higher credit card limit and liking the finer things in life. How did somebody think that was even a question to ask in this survey? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, you know, the pandemic, on the other hand, really upped the ante in terms of stress and financial sure. stress. Um, 57% of adults say the pandemic increased the financial stress in their relationship. 
Uh, 66% of partnered millennials and Gen Z say the same thing. Uh, 39% of adults avoid talking about money with romantic partners. Um, nearly half of millennials don't talk about money with partners. Mm-hmm. 58% say they would end the relationship if their partner was being dishonest about money or their spending. Financial abuse is a big deal. Have you run across that in your... in your? I have not. I have no? not really. No. So it's interesting. I gave a speech years ago uh, to Allstate's foundation, and their foundation really uh, spends a lot of money supporting organizations and um, that help abused spouses. And financial abuse in, is there ninety nine percent of the time mm-hmm. in a domestic abuse relationship. Um, it's it's interesting how closely entwined those things are, but. Um, you know, even if it doesn't rise to that level, I think mm-hmm. people don't often understand that financial abuse can happen. You can have elder financial abuse where mm-hmm. uh, caretakers take advantage of your you know, parents and their money mm-hmm. um, without you noting. In fact, we took all the checkbooks out of my mother's house when she started having around-the-clock care. Sure. Makes Just didn't sense. want to have the issue, right? We mm-hmm. took, we, you know, locked up her jewelry. We, you know, things that we just thought she would be very sad and we'd have to deal with the fallout if something, you know, happened. Um, so anyway, are, here's what I wanted to ask you, Tom. I mean, are you seeing this anxiety around money grow and have you seen it grow during the pandemic? Well, you know, it, there's a lot of things going on right now, of course, that uh, can cause some anxiety. I mean, the market, obviously, when we look just at last year, what happened, the volatility in the market, some of the geopolitical things, whatever it might be in everyone's life, I guess, or in a lot of in, in, in everything is depending on your situation. But, you know, as much as possible, and that's why as an advisor, you know, I feel obligated, hey, for number one, we have to have communication, always have communications. You know, something really dramatic is happening in the market. You know, I try to take, make the point of calling people just to have that conversation, having a plan and, and designing it, and then making it understandable and being proactive. All of these things, at least from my end with my clients, is, I think, again, minimizing the uncertainty, making things understandable, being proactive, and then having a plan that makes sense, I think those are things that have really worked for me and helped to minimize some of that anxiety because there's always, as we've talked about, always going to be crazy things happening always. And so that's kind of what we have to understand. But understanding what our plan is really going to make the difference, I think, in the long run as far as the stress level as it is to as a, your retirement plan. That's why, you know, I talk about trying to simplify things and, you know, the five things that in your plan we talk about, if you have an income plan, you have a tax plan, you have an investment plan, an asset protection plan, and a legacy plan, an estate, you know, then you feel like, yeah, I, I have these things in place. I feel a little better about where I'm at, and hopefully that's going to reduce some of the anxiety and the stress. How often does it happen <clears throat> that somebody's anxiety or stress about not having enough money actually pans out that way for your clients in your experience? You know, that's an interesting question because, and you may have come across this too, Elise, you know, I, I have individuals that come in and in, in a way I think maybe that's a good thing. I, I don't want to say stress is a good thing with a lot of, you know, significant amounts of money and they're still concerned about income. And I could say to them, you know, I mean, we go again, it's just a matter of, you know, this is all probability. It's all you're running numbers but I can't adjust the numbers. They are what they are. And, mm-hmm. and then our concern, they'll say, I have all of this money. And I can say to them directly, 
the probability of you running out of money is close to zero, right? Right. However, once you run through these things, that's why I'm a, I'm a big fan of doing the analysis to say, look, this is not my opinion. Here they are. Here's the numbers in front of you. That can help quite a bit, you know, in understanding where you're at. Again, they're not going to be to the penny, but they're going to provide some perspective. You run it to age, you know, to 95 minimum longevity. You, you incorporate inflation. You factor in market volatility. You put all these things and factor it in and get it as close to reality as possible. That's going to really help provide some perspective because you see it. It's in front of you, right? So the Wall Street Journal, I'm glad you brought that up because the Wall Street Journal had this really interesting story this week about longevity versus life expectancy. Mm-hmm. And life expectancy is basically, you know, you're a 60-year-old married woman and, you know, on average, 60-year-old married women in good health will live to be like, say, 84. But longevity is the risk you'll actually live it until 95 or 100, Mm -hmm. right? And so those are two different concepts in financial planning. And we've talked about this longevity risk before. We talked about it a little bit last week. But... I, I guess maybe some of the anxiety people feel when the market is really volatile is that the plan is going to fail even if they live to be 100. Like if all the – I know this is the Monte Carlo scenario, you mm-hmm. know, working perfectly. But if everything goes south, so the market tanks and I live to be 120, <laughs> not that that's ever happened, um, I'm going to run out of money. Mm-hmm. So is that – is that where it comes from, this this idea that the Monte Carlo scenarios aren't extreme enough? I think some of it is, you know, the fact that, you know, I'm going from this, I'm just so plugged into accumulating. You know, you, you may be doing that for 40, 45 years, and then you've got to flip a switch and start drawing from the money, and it's like, wait, the paychecks aren't coming in. Wow, this is a little unsettling. And so that's why one of the, the cornerstone to your plan, and that's why it's maybe number one in my five pieces to a plan, is income planning, right? Having income come in regardless of the market, regardless of your savings, regardless of the investments, a check that comes in. Social Security is one example. We've talked about annuities. But when we talk about Social Security, right, the higher benefit Maybe it makes sense to defer it again. Everyone's situation is unique. We got a lot of <laughs> we got a lot of response on this last time. Yeah. But as Lawrence Kotlikoff, the he has a great book, Get What's Yours on Social Security. I'm using this as an example. His point is the risk isn't dying, the risk is living. Okay, so try to get the income and the maximum amount of income throughout your lifetime, right? Right. And so that's how you do it. Creating an income plan with sustainable lifetime income, that's really the cornerstone to the plan. And I think that will that's what we try to do as, as part of your overall plan. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important to kind of understand where the anxiety comes from, because until you understand that, I don't think mm-hmm. you can solve for it. I mean, I think income I plan. I think the way you run people through income plan mm-hmm. and asset plan and tax plan, estate plan, all investment plan, all of that is exactly right. But I think you know until your clients or until our listeners sort of dig in deep and say. This is the one thing I'm trying to avoid, or this is the one thing I've seen happen in my life. I don't want it to happen to me until you identify what it is that's causing that. It, it just never goes away. It's like psychology, right? You got to ask the questions and get there. Yeah, no, over and over the and first over again. Usually, isn't the right this is the real answer? Right. Well, we'll pick it up next week. I think right here on your Psychology Money Show <laughs> called This Week in. <laughs> With your pseudo, your pseudo money psychologists, Elise and Tom. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Anyway, if you want to uh, talk to us in between, give us a call, 630-934-1855, or you can always go to alphawealthgroup.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back again next week. And in the meantime, have a wonderful week. You're listening to 720 WGN. Tom Fortino is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Advisor. Alpha Wealth Group, WGN, and RWA are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals specialized in fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by retirement wealth advisors. Insurance and annuities offered through Alpha Wealth Group, licensed in Illinois. Tom Fortino and Alpha Wealth Group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.